This is Indulgent Tech Topics with your host, Mary Gao, where we discuss the interesting, important, perhaps random, dare I say indulgent topics that the busy world of tech often doesn't have time for. So the topic today is diversity, particularly among LGBTQ people in tech, and what the implications of the current conversations around that are. And today I'm here with Grant McNaughton, who's this amazing person who ran um, Ventus Business Solutions, which is an IT consulting firm, and is currently a fourth-year student at Western. Uh, he runs the Ivy Business Club, as well as the Ivy Pride Club, and then also started the Ivy LGBTQ Business Association Alliance, which gathers like LGBTQ groups, um, student groups around Ontario, and just creates like amazing opportunities for those people. So <laughs> yeah. So um, my question is, what do you think is the current like conversation around diversity in tech, and uh, where do you think those are going? I think when we talk about diversity in tech, it it doesn't only mean sort of LGBTQ. Like obviously, we talk about women, we talk about African American people, we talk about Latino people, um, and that conversation, you know, historically has been a bit of a hiring quota. So, uh, how can we get you know X number of spots filled by X number of people um, so that we can we can show that we at least have a bit of a diverse workforce? Um, and then more recently, it's moved towards, okay, well, how do we actually put these people in positions of leadership? So how do we increase representation of minority groups on our board of directors or in our C-suite or essentially try and find ways to reduce the barriers that these people face? Specifically, when we look at women, when it comes to maternity leave, for example, how does that impact their ability to, to see um, promotion in the workplace? Um, and when we talk about LGBTQ people, um, there's a whole slew of different things that, that historically have have determined success in the workplace. When we talk about, you know, same-sex parent benefits um, or spousal benefits, when we talk about somebody that might be transitioning in the workplace, what, do, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and now what I, the conversation is moving towards is how do we find candidates from a diverse array of, of backgrounds who, who are diverse in, in, in their background and, and diverse in, in sort of who they are as a candidate? Um, and I think that's something that firms are focusing on, particularly because what we find is that when we look at historical sources of candidates, which is, you know, large schools, um, you know, where you have a high GPA, like you're, you're very involved in the community, uh, a common thread is the fact that people have a certain level of privilege in order to be in those places. Um, And so we're talking about, you know, your parents have to be making enough money. You need to have the ability to have a co-signing on a loan. Um, You need to have had a stable, you know, childhood or stable um, environment where you could grow and have the ability to even do the extracurriculars to get into the university, which then gives you the opportunity to get the job. Um, And so firms are moving towards, well, how do we spot candidates before even university that that are, you know, not only meeting our, our criteria, but but also have a lot of potential in them that might not be seen by university or they, they might not even be able to get into university? Really? And what so, would be an example of that? So an example of that is someone that, say, for example, um, let's take a student who is in grade 9 or grade 10. Um, and their parents are divorced and they're in a lower socioeconomic class. And so... 
if in their you know typical public school um, they're falling in the bottom quartile of the class, mm-hmm. and, and this might be a student who you know really excels in in something in their life, like they they might have entrepreneurial pursuits, you know they might actually be working like two or three jobs to sort of keep their family moving, um, but. Typically, they'll fall completely out of the recruiting process. There, there's absolutely no way they'll they'll make it into university or college, mm-hmm. um, and there's absolutely no way that they'll end up at a firm that, that, that we see them at right that, that candidates are historically falling into. Um, and so, obviously, that's a bit of a you know a far fetched example. Like firms right now are not looking at students in grade nine and, and trying to figure out whether they'll they'll be a potential fit in, in seven years. But the conversation is surrounded around, well, what are external factors that can influence whether a candidate appears, you know, attractive to us mm-hmm. and how can we correct for those biases? Um, so it isn't just, you know, removing names from resumes and removing genders from resumes. It's also looking at, well, what are contributing factors that also determine whether we even see that resume? That's super interesting. Do you think, um, what do you, what's your opinion on like hiring quotas? Because I know they're very controversial. I mean, both because... Like on one side, you know, there's a lot of arguments about, well, it's, it's, it just seems to be quite damaging on both sides in the sense of like, you might also feel that you didn't deserve to be in that firm because you're only there on a hiring quota. And on the other side, obviously the statistics are incredibly undiverse and you need to kind of correct for that. It's a tough thing. It's kind of a catch 22 in, in some ways because, um, for example, when we look at LGBTQ candidates, that, that isn't even a question you can really ask on a, on a, on an application, right? You, you can't ask them if they identify as LGBTQ for the, for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. and so how do you find LGBTQ candidates if, if you haven't historically been reaching out to them? How do you engage them in, in workplaces where historically they might not have even felt wanted or, or welcome or included? Um, but then at the same time, not be, not, say, taking a candidate that is, um, not to say less qualified, but to, you know, people would see them as less qualified than another candidate and then boost them up so that they get the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they don't feel like they deserve the job. Like there's the whole conversation around that. Exactly. Um, and I don't, I, I have a hard time with the, you know, between two candidates, um, you're going to pick the diversity one and they're less qualified. Like I, I, I really believe that, that, Firms have hiring policies in place that do choose the best candidate in, in most scenarios, mm-hmm. um, and and a quota just forces them to essentially evaluate candidates from other criteria by other criteria. Um, what it also forces them to do is engage in a different way. Um, so firms have to go to you know diversity recruiting events. So like out for undergrad is a good example in the United States, or out on Bay Street by Start Proud here in Canada. Um, where essentially firms engage with LGBTQ talent. Um, and I think the most valuable thing in, in this sort of um, aspect of hiring is finding candidates that wouldn't normally consider that job mm. and engaging them in a way by saying, actually, we're, we're interested in talent from people like you. Um, and I think that's probably the most valuable part of, of this discussion and, and where we're headed right now is re-engaging people and saying, well, historically in finance, it's in, it's been, you know, white men um, mm-hmm. who are in a high socioeconomic class um, and will continue in that way. But mm-hmm. instead saying, actually, no, we're interested in a diverse array of candidates. And this is me, a diverse candidate self or diverse candidate myself as a recruiter reaching out to you to be like, we have programs in place um, and we're actually genuinely trying to to create a more inclusive workplace. Awesome. Um, so if you were, I mean, if, if you had advice for an LGBTQ student who wanted to like, I don't know, get into any sort of particular field or is recruiting for the first time 
And knowing, I think it's interesting because as a female, like I understand that I can put female on application or that there are programs designed for women um, and they're allowed to do that as a firm. What advice would you give um, to someone who was an LGBTQ student who wanted to like, who's recruiting for the first time? I'd say really ask, like ask firms about what, what programs, what um, affinity groups, what do they have in place right now that supports LGBTQ people? Um, And it's, you know, I'm in consulting right now. And so in consulting, we see a lot of um, like there, there, there obviously are affinity groups and you'd see that in many professional services. Um, but another big one is sort of a history of support. So do they, did they support, you know, same sex spousal benefits? Totally. Um, things like that are also really good measures of, of whether a firm had actually sort of puts their money where their mouth is. Mm-hmm. Um, and another one is, is looking at leadership, looking at, looking at management and, and seeing sort of what, what the makeup is, um, are there LGBTQ people in leadership, in management, on their board? Um, but when it sort of comes to like the nuts and bolts of if you're recruiting as like a, you know, just starting the recruiting process, I think it, it really means you need to, to reach out and ask those questions and then be asked to be connected with people that sort of are in the LGBTQ sphere. So um, I'd say reaching out to a recruiter and being like, hey, like, I'd really like to know more about your affinity group mm-hmm. and can you connect me with people in it? And if it's if it's a firm that is, is worth their salt, I'd say they, they mm-hmm. definitely work on connecting you and, and recognizing that um, you might have, have a different pathway to where you are now, but that doesn't mean you're any less of a candidate. Yeah. What do you think is the... Um... How easy do you think it is to like find those people? In other words, so I think it depends um, <laughs> on the firm and what the firm's corporate priorities are. So if their priorities are, you know, making a workforce, and you know, we have lots of research supporting that a diverse workforce is more productive, mm-hmm. it generates more revenue, it, it just is a better workplace. Um, if that has been determined as one of their core corporate priorities, then it shouldn't be hard. It should be reaching out to a recruiter or you reaching, reaching out to someone on their campus leadership team and being like, I'd like to be connected with people that are in an affinity group and, and they'd be more than happy to do that. When it came to my recruiting process, that was something that actually really helped me through the process was having a commonality with other people that I could then connect with and, and meet more people because of. Um, I think when you're recruiting in, in a number of different roles, whether it's tech or consulting or, or you know, your marketing or HR, it, it's really helpful to find some common ground between you and people in the firm. And for me to be able to actually have my identity or my sexual orientation be for one point in my life, actually a commonality between me and other people mm-hmm. was something that was actually really gratifying and, and gave me a lot of encouragement as to where I was going. Um, and, and that's not to say sexual orientation defines you, but it's to say that having common ground with people doesn't necessarily have to come from what we watch, you know, the same sports team. Totally. Yeah. And how do you think that has carried along like into the workforce? In what sense? Like, do you feel like you kind of come in with like a group of people that you feel, you know, close with, or do you feel, because you hear a lot of stories of feeling like rather isolated in the workforce as opposed to like finding common ground with people. Good point. Um, so uh, at my firm, it's been a lot of, um, encouragement and something that really surprised me was um everybody was invited to these affinity events so mm-hmm. everybody in the office was, would receive you know an invite to our lgbtq um beer night before the the pride parade and at first i was like oh my goodness like i thought this was a gay thing like why is everyone else here but then i realized when i was there i was like wow this is amazing all of these people like truly support me and are here to, you know, say like we are behind LGBTQ people in our organization, which for me was was really really cool. 
and and so it was it was really the opposite of isolating it was it was gratifying and and people knew and celebrated the fact that that I identified as gay um, but also knew and celebrated the fact that you know I produced good work and I and I had other interests in life and so it was it, it was great in that regard yeah actually I was just about to flip the question around and say do you feel like occasion or do you feel like it's possible that the conversation can become too um, boxed or too to like identity too close to identity politics when you just want to say like hey I'm as good of a worker as anyone else regardless of all these other factors clearly it's a good point um I think in this scenario that or in general um something that that I think is part of the journey for a lot of people just on, on a person level is understanding who they are and where their sexual orientation fits into that puzzle. So for me, um, coming out wasn't something that I had you know, totally anticipated doing. It wasn't something, uh, it wasn't something I was excited or proud of. And mm-hmm. so it took a very long time for me to come to terms with the fact that being gay was something that, that was actually a positive part of my life. It was something that, mm-hmm. that wasn't a negative identifier. And so I, I think it really depends on the person and the process, but I think you're, you're right in that it isn't a I'm gay, hire me scenario. Mm-hmm. It's a I'm gay and I'm also all of these other things or I'm all of these other things and I also happen to be gay mm-hmm. is more the is more this um, is more the conversation with that gay identifier being used to or, you know, lesbian or transgender or wherever you fit in the spectrum. Um being used to connect you with people that, that have faced a similar path as you and can, can help you out. Awesome. Okay. And my final question is if you could, I don't know, envision or create like the most ideal world where, how do you think this conversation will look moving forward? Or how would you like this conversation to look moving forward? I, I talk about Ivy pride club and I, when we're, when we're doing some of our strategic planning, I talk about the fact that in, you know, 20 or 30 years, I almost don't want this club to exist yeah. anymore, right? Yeah. It, it's the idea that in X amount of time, there won't be hiring biases. There won't be, um, you know, any kind of events that could keep people from being successful in life. And that's that's a hard one to say that we're not going to have poverty. We're not going mm-hmm. to have, you know, a, a social ails in, in X amount of time. Um, and so there, there always will be. Um, but... I think the real goal is is having everybody on a leadership team sign off on the importance and advocate for diversity in the workplace. Um, because I think that that leadership buy-in is kind of what defines the organization. Um, mm. It defines the culture. And so I think that's my biggest goal is, is where you see an organization that doesn't only say we have diversity criteria or a diversity quota, but an organization where your CEO champions the fact that they're pushing for a progressive, inclusive, diversive workplace. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks so much for listening. To contact me with topic ideas, your opinion, or anything at all, message me on Instagram at msmarygal. That's at Miss Mary Gal. I hope to hear from you.